Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 197 of the Option Podcast. That guy looks like Benji and Dexler. There it is. And yeah. Uh, on uh, Dexler, <laughs> are you French? Something like that. <laughs> no, no. I'm kidding. We're going to find out. The episode starts right now. Let's go, Benji. Nothing much. I mean, it's Friday, so I got to get ready. Got a tournament tomorrow. But other than that, I'm just kind of relaxing, hanging out. Yeah. Happy Friday, dude. Um, what tournament? What are we talking about? So it's a it's a smaller indoor tournament in Knoxville, Tennessee. So just going out there, playing some of the local teams. We have a few teams in like North, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. We all play each other at most tournaments. So it's usually a lot of the same teams. Yeah. That's actually it's pretty good. Um it's intimate. The thing I like it about really, the, the tournament yeah. in, in Knoxville. They have one in the beginning. Sorry, go ahead. So, well, it's it's called the Appalachian Power League. And it's really like it's fun because you play like you would think, oh, I don't want to play all the same teams all the time, but it starts to feel more like a actual sports league mm-hmm. with like you have these like twenty something teams and you all play each other and you know you know who to play and you know how to get ready and it kind of makes it like a, a lot uh, yeah a lot more intimate really. Yeah. And I, the thing I liked about I like about Knoxville and I think you're surprised I know a lot about it, but it is the mixture of professional setting and intimate setting. Like for my guys on yeah. the West Coast, just I want you to appreciate um, the Labor Day tournament, right? Like. It's beer and everyone's having a good time and his music, but you know, the the guys who are not having a good time are the semis and the finals and the scores ten up, and then, and this whole thing. Hey, come play! It's gonna be fun. It ain't fun right now. We're just trying to win. <laughs> For those of you guys in the Midwest, I, I bring your attention to the motherlode, Colorado. Very very intimate uh, place in the mountains. No no better place in the world. Last year I was doing um color commentary with um Randy Stoklas, where he and I called. Okay. We called center court the entire weekend. Rolo Vincent, me and Rolo. <laughs> so you're going there that, this over the weekend. You, yeah. my man, I want to say something really cool about you because we can talk about a lot of things. And eventually I'd like to pick up our conversation from the Pottstown Rumble and some of those other tournaments yeah. that we had a great conversation before we came on the podcast. But before I forget, I wanted to compliment you on your ability just watching the sample size of beach. Cause I can watch indoor players and a lot of setters look alike if they're doing the right thing. Like high level setters are supposed to look alike, right? Cause they're, you're, yeah. that's how you're supposed to play. But your, your ability or your muscle memory or just your training habits of taking care of the little things are way beyond your years, young man. You, um, and for everybody listening to the podcast, just stay with us. I'm not gonna, we're not going to roll off this guy's resume. You're going to have to, we're going to unpeel it as we talk. But I really like that you, like your setting, right, for beach, you get around the ball, shoulders to the pole if you can, right? Because some people, you know, the West Coast, they, they're kind of doing this. They're always and over they're, the and, shoulder. And yeah. yeah. Well, they're, and, and you know, you can do it another way and you're accurate, but you're doing something call, I call eliminating the margin for error. Meaning like if I set this way to my partner, right? I got mad skills, I can do it, but the margin for error now is gonna be tight because of where my shoulders are, right? Or behind his head. And for anyone listening, all of these things have happened to you. No matter what level you play, it's even at the highest level, that's happened to you. So- All the time. um, I saw a little bit of Miles Partain 
when I saw when I was watching your beach games and his his ability to take care of the little things, um, just just things that great skill players take for granted. And is this is and where do you get that from? I guess I right. Is there a question here? <laughs> I mean, uh, where do you get that from? <laughs> uh, well, I play a lot. Like I've played. I haven't played playing, playing for a very long time. It's like maybe two and a half, three years. But like I'm like three, four times a week minimum. I'm like peppering with myself in the house, you know, carrying a ball everywhere. And it's just like like with that much repetition, you build like little habits and little ball control things that help you so so much like the mundane parts that you do like just like passing a ball to the wall in the house for like half an hour it yeah. builds platform work it builds angles like it does all this stuff that's it's i mean it just helps so you hear this your neighbors and your parents are here boom 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 yeah oh it's like is somebody having sex <laughs> it's like <laughs> no this kid's bumping the ball to the wall <laughs> and they're like oh i get it yeah yeah the and, amount of the amount of times i'm like just playing and my mom i hear my mom downstairs she's like benji stop i'm like okay 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 <laughs> at least to her it's a familiar sound it's one of them good problems yeah, right yeah here's the other problem fingerprints on the ceiling Right, you're practicing. You're practicing your four-step approach, right? And if you have a ceiling that's like nine feet or whatever, um, or if you have a ceiling that's eight feet, you're trying to elbow it, right? Or, yeah. or if it's um, where I grew up, I had a, ce a ceiling that was nine feet, so I couldn't. My best jump was ten eight, so I could like forearm it. But you, even when I moved out and came back, I'm like they didn't paint this house. <laughs> it's still, it's still there. Well, so the crazy part is we have like a hallway in my house and we put up like a, I think it's a pickleball net between the two walls and we play. So you'll see like ball marks on the walls and on the doors and like, it's like, it, it, it almost leaves a mark like whenever we play. Yeah. Actually, while we're here, and just to give our audience a full full appreciation, at least the, the audience watching a video version of this. And for those of you, I say, welcome. And for the audio version, I'm... For those of you stuck on the 405 watching this, I feel sorry for you. The 405 is the fifth ring of hell, and I wouldn't, and I might wish that on my worst enemy. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, there's some things I want on my worst enemy, but let's take a look at some. Uh, I have a highlight reel I saw that you put up. I thought it was really cool. So, this. I'm turn the music down a little bit. Oh, this is an old one, too. Yeah. No, but I want you, the audience to appreciate the little things, right? Oh, sorry, you're at the net. Nice. This isn't a one. You're right. I have a I have a much newer one. You can check. Yeah. That's probably better too. But watch the footwork. Like, if even, this is an old, mind you, this is an old one. This and he's in the. Uh, you're in your PJs, right? In your your red PJs. Yeah, yeah. That's. So watch the footwork, and watch the patience, right? This you're you're not exploding too early. You have a little bit of a hold on your platform. That's nice. Your turn. The footwork and the turn, the upper body turn is nice. Here's a little head fake. See the hold? Nothing, nothing J-hooked. And mind you, you're right. This isn't the video I wanted us to watch. This is this is something else. So uh, maybe I'll get back to that on the edit. And maybe I'll just put something, yeah, well, even on, something on the edit. And, like, mm -hmm. Even between then and like the video I made like five months later. Yeah. So I started working with a, with a new coach. Okay. And, and he like, he's super big on like, Defense first, platform work, and like 
like, as you said, kind of patience. He's always like, you keep your heart rate down. You like, you focus on the game and you make sure your angles are right. Like Mm -hmm. that's the big things he preaches. Mm -hmm. And just in that time, like every tournament, I feel like I'd go like maybe a three or four point run where I'd like shank a few balls on service. Even I was like, why does this keep happening? And I started working with him and I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I shank one instead of being like, why did I do that? I'm like, next ball, what could I have done? And then like focus. Yeah. And that helped me so, so much between like, cause I was even in that video, I was a little jumpy on service even like I, I've kind of just like locked it down more. Is it about um, selective amnesia? Meaning just remembering the plays that are, that, that were good and forgetting, and, I think and forgetting the plays I think that are less, bad. He didn't say forget the plays cause he wants you to remember, but it's not like, it's not like I should have done this. It's like, I will do this. Got it. Like you don't think I, oh my God, why didn't I go? Why didn't I run down that high line? Why didn't you're like, next time that happens, I will run down the high line. Right. And it's I, more about like, yeah. I also think that's the difference between giving up three points and before you finally work it out yeah. or just siding out the very next play, right? Like how many, how many times have you seen someone just get frustrated over their serve receive and by the time they recover, they've already given they've already given up yeah well too late in some case at the high level it's too late right in some cases just you just you just dug a hole that's really hard to get out of against a team Mm -hmm. that's probably evenly matched or probably that you're even better than who knows right so so i i really like that and uh, and the other thing i like what's your coach's name who's your coach uh his name's varun okay is he north carolina too yeah nice yeah i about um it's weird because I've never been in North Carolina, but I got a lot of roots there. I got a lot of friends. Like we were talking about Adam Roberts uh, um, yeah. before the podcast. Adam spent um, almost a decade in New York, right? So, and Adam, is he North or South Carolina? Because I know I know he has a place in South Carolina. South near Carolina, Myrtle, right? That he usually Myrtle spends Beach. time with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's um, he's what you call a mensch. In New York, a mensch is someone that that commands the highest respect. Like Adam, if you don't have a shirt. He'll take off his shirt and give it to you, like not knowing that he's gonna be yeah. cold, because <laughs> he doesn't think about those things. He just does it, and and I and and I don't know. That goes a long way. That's kind of golden when yeah. you have when you have someone like that. And I really really appreciate that. So what what got you? Remind me again. What how'd you get started into the sport? Was it was it girls? What's going on? <laughs> so uh, we, it was like COVID. We couldn't do any indoor sports. And like, as it started to die down, my sisters played, my mom used to play, my mom and dad met playing. And so they were like, let's go play like a small 4v4 tournament, like just for fun. Okay. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, why are they dragging me to this? Like, why do I have to go? And then I got there and I was like, I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. I'm like throwing myself at the ground. I'm not doing very well, but I'm like, I enjoy this. So I'm like, so I start looking, I'm like, what clubs can I go play for? Like, I want to do this more. So I pick up beach and indoor slowly. And then I'm like, I really like this. And so it's kind of just become my life. Like I got to points where I would play like 17, 18 days in a row. And I was like, no more. Or like, I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going. Oh, you got infected with the volley bug. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, you talked about COVID and you know that, I mean, they have a vaccine that may or may not work for that, but there's no vaccine for what you got. There's no cure for what you got. It is, it's permanent. You you have the volley, you have the volley virus. (laughs) And you know what? You don't need drugs for it. 
and you don't need to see a doctor. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of what we call one of those good problems. Congratulations, you're infected. And, you're t and the story you're telling is very, very similar to a lot of people, how volleyball happened to them. I'm not, I could get in the mind, but today I ain't making it about me. Today is about you, my man. So why'd you become a setter? That's a good question. Come that is, okay. You got, because so you got I, kind of a cannon too, you know? I, I watched you play a little indoor. So I like hitting. I, I love hitting. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, to play at the next level, I don't have the size for it. Oh, that's what they tell you. Yeah. And it's, it's I'm, I'm 5'10". And it wasn't just that. I would, I feel like with setting, I can kind of <clears throat> do both. It's mm -hmm. so like when I played... I don't get as much with my new team, but with my old libero, I would tell him, I was like, throw me up on the net. I don't care if I'm front row. I don't care if I'm back row. I'll go up with one. My man. <laughs> if I get someone, I'm setting it. If I don't, I'm throwing it down. Yeah. And I've just enjoyed setting. And like, even out on the beach, I would always like, before I started playing indoor, I was like trying to jump set and try and do all this stuff. And I was like, I enjoy this. So I decided that that would be the best use of what I could do. When did you realize that setting was more than just having good hands? Ooh, it was. I'm speaking from one setter to another, so. It was, it was between my 16s and my 17s year. My 16s year, it, it, was very, it was my first year setting. It was very poor. I had good hands, and I would pretty much just throw up a high ball. Like, I wasn't spreading an offense. I didn't really have the middles in place at the time, so I couldn't really run the middle. And then I, I went into my 17th year and I was like, I got some athletes this year. Like if I, if I want to go to work, I have to like learn to set the fast right side ball and set the gap and like find my outsides fast so they can like, they can beat a middle, you know? And so then I, and then I started like checking court checking and then I, and then it became a whole thing where I'm like, how far can I, can I take this? Like how many skills can I learn to do? Yeah, and it's always going to be the most challenging position, right? Um, oh. And for me, I was in, in Germany, and I went to the Olympics just to watch um, USA play Spain and Barcelona. I mean, USA played Japan. Crazy five-set match. For anyone watching uh, the podcast or listening, just Google YouTube search USA versus Japan. It's the, the craziest match you'll ever see in your life. It's a match that had two two yellow cards that was supposed to be a red, which should have given Japan the match. They didn't. They never penalized them. USA came back. There was a foot fault that should have been the game for for USA. Turns out he was behind it. Uh, someone blew the whistle in the crowd. Everyone stopped playing. Japan kept playing. It was a replay. It was just this crazy, crazy thing that ended in this chaotic and i was there i was there for that match and there was a coach for the netherlands his name is mario trebich who um later became my volleyball mentor he was the head coach of the netherlands and i ran into him and he saw me play a little bit and he says you're six one you have a six eight wingspan you're left-handed you should set so from out i converted from out took years from outside hitter to whatever and i and i watched videos of a guy named jeff stork who won the gold that in 88 or whatever and the bronze in 92 we had similar build he was bigger but we had we did a lot of the same things and then yeah and you know it's crazy like if you have someone you idolize or watch video right and and try to mimic them or whatever and then you meet them in in real life <laughs> 
you become starstruck. Like, yeah. look, I'm from New York. You could see Jay-Z walk, you know, Madonna walking her dog or whatever, and it's cool. You see yeah. him all the time, right? And then I see Jeff Stort, because I, I was at LMU with John Mayer, and we played Northridge at the time. And I scream, Jeff Stork, and he looks at me, he goes, oh, like, like this face, like, oh, God, you know, but I wasn't, I promise you, I wasn't too much of a puppy. Was there a setter that you kind of emulated? Uh, I guess that was how I shaped, shaping my question. So it, it used to be that I'd, I'd watch a lot of like high level club and like the top teams. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, that's the level I want to get to. Yeah. Like, I, I would watch a lot of. Andrew Rowan. I, so I, I watched a lot of professional, obviously, but I'm like, I'm like, that's the next level. Like, I can worry about that when it comes. And I would watch a lot of him. And then and then I kind of started watching more and more. And I realized it's like setting is so unique. Like, why am I trying to imitate something else when I can like piece together a game of my own and, and kind of like use that to my advantage? Because like if you're playing like someone else, there's going to be people who have figured out how to beat that person. 100%. But like if you're you they have to figure out a whole new set of like, how do we cover what he's gonna do? Yeah. Yeah, and look, being a, for me, being a lefty setter was great. It was golden. You can just you can disrupt a lot of defenses. And, um, if you watch Miles play um, those two years at UCLA, um, he was he was one, he was one of the best offensive players as a setter. He he the, um, the guy didn't yeah. he doesn't. It's very much like um, who is he like? Westbrook from the NBA. He never saw a three he didn't like, right? He just kept shooting, jacking him up. Miles didn't see an option that he didn't like. He yeah. Miles has never seen an option he didn't like. And if you watch like Seaside and when he played with his brother, he was taking the option from like the 20 foot line. Dude was ridiculous. And I, I keep mentioning him because I watched a ton of video on you and I, and I see just these amazing similarities. Um, And I do have a vision in my head that you're gonna be around where he is now in about three years. Um, I see it. I, I also see it because people of your size, from 5'11 to 6'3, those are the players that wind up being MVP. Those are the players that wind up being all tournament team first team. Those uh, and, and the land of giants where everyone keeps telling you you're, you're not big enough. Uh, the ones, have you noticed there's this historical pattern of normal size guys uh, um, being there at the end? How about I just give you an example? How about Bruno, uh, um, Oscar Schmidt, yeah. Alisson's partner in Rio, graciously listed at 6'5". I don't, I don't think he's much taller or shorter than you. Gold medal, right? Um, a... uh, Taylor Crabb, one um, AVCA yeah. player of the year at Long Beach State. His team had a losing record. <laughs> All right. And he got and he got um, AVCA most uh, uh, player of the year. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You have someone. No, I've, I've, I have a question for you. Go ahead. How tall do you think I am? I think you're 5'10 or 5'11. 5'10 on the dot. Yep. But still growing. You're 17. I, yeah. So I turned 17 a month yeah. ago, which is weird because I'm a senior. Yeah. You'll, you'll, get, a, you'll get another inch or two. I you, hope you, so. You probably, want... you probably grew six at 14, six inches and 14, right? Something like that. You had that spurt. It was, it was later than that. I think, I think I, I never hit a growth spurt. I had a very steady growth. It would be like two inches a year from like 14 to now. So it oh. wasn't ever really like shoot up. You're in great shape. Yeah. Uh, um, for my New York fans that are listening, I'll, I'll bring your attention to Elvis Rodriguez. Elvis is five foot nine. Um, he played for a club, an adult club called Crail, that won nationals in 1992. He was first team 
as an outside hitter, 5'9". You know, and stayed with the team, but eventually became a libero and became, you know, best libero, this and that. Um, yeah. Played Division three at Hunter, Hunter College in New York. And they were the only team to make the EIVA uh, semifinals or finals. They're Division three, and they're in the Division one <laughs> EIVA semifinals. They were 30, yeah. 38 and three, you know, a, a, all Dominicans, of course. No one on the team spoke English, yeah. and and I bet you none of them went to class because it was just one year, and they, and after the one year they were gone. So you know, you know they didn't go to class. <laughs> if they're all gone, they didn't go to class, bro. So so you, yep. so I think the point I'm trying to make, and I want you to keep your thought. Don't listen. Your height is a reality, but what people tell you and what you can and can't do with that height is is not. That's your, that's, that's, you shape that. You're in charge of that. You're responsible for it, so you gotta be in charge of it. How'd you like for you to be responsible for something someone else is calling the shots on? That's bullshit. I'm sorry, did I say shit? Bull jive. Um, it's a kid, we got kids. Sorry, so um, <laughs> what was your thought? Cause I didn't want you to lose that. And I didn't want you to, t I didn't well, want to talk I, I have two things now. There were, there were schools like nearby that my, that my college is gonna play. Mm -hmm. That would, that would tell what they wouldn't tell me, but they would tell like my coaches or something straight up. They're like, we're not taking him unless he hits six foot. Like there's zero chance we take him. If he hits six foot, we'll take him. We'll probably redshirt him. And this, and this happened like a, mm -hmm. a few times. And so now I'm like, I'm going to, to NGU, which is like you said, it's a, instead of Dominicans, it's a bunch of Puerto Ricans. Like it's, it's like half the roster is a bunch of Puerto Rican kids and they're all like super fiery. And now I'm like, skill I want to play these skill set Nazis, right? Skill set Nazis too, right? Yes. Ball control. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, now I get to play these schools that said that about me and I'm like, I want to show them. Good. Like schedule us. I want to play you. Good. And you know what the cool thing is? You might be part of a generation of people that put that, that might put that conference on the map right the conference yeah. is new so you knew you're going to get they knew they're going to get their ass kicked a lot and they knew they were going to be considered the weakest conference in the ncaa but things change when i came up the strongest conference was mountain pacific and, and psf and now in my opinion and people will get mad oh but they're not even the second best the the best one right right now is the big west that's long beach state hawaii yeah. irvine this and the second best is the miva which is ohio state which is lewis university well, and which is uh, um which is loyola chicago that's that's princeton too, and right? ball state no prince princeton's eiva that's sam schweitzky okay and so princeton, that's the other yeah go ahead this is the crazy part about this school is in 2022, they did win the Conference Carolina. They went to the national championship. And they beat Princeton and they the beat first Princeton. match. I was there. And they beat Princeton 3-1. I was there. And I was, and it's, yeah. I was very surprised. And no one, well, yeah, that's how everyone felt. But it's like, I think, so what I'm loving to see now, mm -hmm. there's so many upsets in the NCAA, mm -hmm. especially this season. It's been crazy. Yep. Like no one can get a, can get a solid first ranking. Right. Because like the talent is spreading thin. We're getting more and more volleyball players around the country. We're getting more and more athletes. Yeah. And now they're not just all starting to go to Hawaii and UCLA and Long Beach. You're starting to see these really high-level guys going to, like, Ohio State or, like, yeah. Pepperdine or, like, 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 schools that have been historically good but not great. And now they're starting to see these great athletes go there. A little history lesson for everybody. 
in the last 10 years, or in the last 12 years, six of those were MIVA. Six of the NCAA champions were MIVA. This is the decade of the repeat champs, right? It was two, two for Hawaii, yeah, two yeah. for Long Beach State, two for um, Ohio sure. State, two yeah. for um, UC Irvine, and two for Loyola Chicago. And then before that, the one before that was Ohio State again. So, so it's not what you think. And another history lesson, this is the cool thing about Princeton and, 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 and GCU, right? NGU. And, and, NGU, right? Um, NGU coming into the NCAA a tournament that year in 2022 beat a Princeton team that had to beat Penn State to get in. Yeah. To, and Penn State at that time was ranked number three. So the problem is you only, I believe you only have seven spots at that time for the NCAA. So it's five conference winners and two at-large bids. So Penn State got screwed out, out of the at-large bid and they didn't win the division. So Princeton won because they, uh, same, same, same reason as NGU, right? The, um, yeah. the conference champion goes there and, and everybody's like, oh, this, I can't believe this team's here. And I'm like, well, first of all, they won the first round. And second of all, things change. Things change. Like the MPSF, I'm, I'm surprised. There were some years I'm surprised they let one team in, <laughs> you know? And, and that's the conference that has USC and UCLA. Now UCLA is better now, yeah. right? But I, I, I'm, my eye test, I've been doing this for a long time, says that they weren't even the second best conference. But the point I was trying to make is you might be part of a transitional period. And this is how it works. Just educating everybody and you can stop me at any point. On the West Coast, if you see a good West Coast team, it's talented players. If you see good teams in the Midwest, it's the coaches. If you see good teams on the East Coast, it's the immigration population. <laughs> How am I doing so far? That's pretty accurate. <laughs> sounds, sounds about I right. I think <laughs> so, definitely in the Southeast. If yeah. you go to like like Pennsylvania and up there, you'll probably find more like like the Chicago clubs. Yep. Have a lot of good teams. They have a lot of good players. Yeah. New York has some really good players. My um, Just, So my current beach partner is from Long Island. Really? What's his name? He's a dog. Aiden... Aiden Delorier, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. Delorier. I don't know. Yeah. But he's a, he's like a, he's a ripper of an outside. Okay. And it's like, and like you, you would never expect someone that good. If you, if I was like six, four outside bangs balls, you'd be like California right? or like Chicago, Hawaii, but you'd never say like, Oh, an hour and a half out in Long Island, you know? So true. Well, I think people adapt their new homes and, and, and people yeah. ignore the fact that they came from New York. Like Therese Cannon's from yeah. New York, right? She's, um, she won the AVP with Sarah Sponsel a couple of years ago. Um, Jacek, who was like our first team All-American at Cal Northridge, is, is a kid from Queens, New York. <laughs> Bryant High School at that, right? Sam Schweitzky, the head coach at uh, Princeton, uh, played at Hunter High School in New York, Upper East Side, and won a PSAL championship there. Um, I was there um, when he lost, because he lost in the previous finals. And what he did was he locked himself, because this is, this is you, you, like you, your mentality. He locked himself in a locker room that had a combination lock so no one can get in. So um, it was at Hunter College. I was a student at, for, one, for, a, for a cup of coffee like Elvis, right? I, I was one of those cup of coffee kids. And I went in there and I told him, hey, look, you're, you're going to win next year. And 20 years from now, I'll, I'll coach here and I'll win one too, right? So the next year he won. And then 20 years later, I won as a coach. So, so Sam and I, we know each other. And when he was 15, 
he would play in the, on the Central Park hard courts with the Dominicans, adults, 30-year-old Dominicans. He's 15 years old and very much like you, you're like you're one of them. Like you're 17. Yeah. But you're one of them because you can ball. And you don't bring the freaking habits that they that that they de- yeah. bad habits that they developed over years that they can never un, uh, um tear down and rebuild some of these guys and at every level they can never you you are very very fortunate and and it was really just about having a good coach that's why the first question i asked in this podcast is who's your coach <laughs> you know so something you want to say about playing with adults and just maybe learning from them a little bit and the mutual respect that 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 happens back and forth on your beach game we're, t- we're going to talk um, we're just address in terms of the beach because juniors is yeah. juniors so i'm playing well, that brought up another point. I'm playing the adult nationals in Ohio this year. So I'm really excited about that. What? <laughs> I'm really, I'm setting for a, for a team of like a bunch of adult ex-college players. Okay. And they were like, they were like, we don't know any setters in the area. Do you want to come to Ohio? Yeah. So I'm going up there for that, which is really fun. But like, wow, I think, nice. so I think I've finally, I've finally gone to a point outdoor where like, most of the adults don't see me as a kid in the good and in the bad. Right. Like in Myrtle, I was, I'm not going to say who, I was playing someone. And I used to be notorious for trash talking. I've cut it down a lot. Mm-hmm. It used to be a big problem for me. And so I think he was trying to get me riled up so I could, because like he was getting beat pretty bad. And he, I took a swing and he was like, he was like, nice roll shot, pussy. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're a grown man. And, and I'm like, and I'm the one being the mature one right now. So I obviously I didn't say anything. It I was just Troy Field. I, I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Imagine, it was Troy that would Field. Be no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> no, I know not, Troy. I love was, Troy, but um, I'll talk about it was, later. And I was, I was just like, I mean, it, it means that he's not seeing me as a child anymore. Yeah. But it's also like. And then also in the good, I feel like I can go out there and I'm like, they're not talking to me, like trying to explain like, oh, why do you do this? Why do you do that? They're like, like, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Like treating me like an equal, which is really nice, especially at like bigger grass tournaments. I feel like I can walk around and like be part of most conversations because I've, I've, I've spoke with or interacted with a lot of these like higher level guys at some point. Right. And it's also about the people playing against you trying to figure out a way to crack the code, right? Um, and I, I hate to bring Partain up. and it's, I only bring him up because I was coaching Jeff Samuels when he made his first main draw at 15 years old with his brother, no less, who was 17. This is Hermosa Beach. It's their first main draw, and, I, and, I'm, and, Mar- and Michael Brunsting, um, who I was not coaching at the time or coaching with, I was only coaching Jeff Samuels. I was like, I'm your one fan. And he thought he got all offended. He didn't get the joke. I'm like, you don't understand. These kids went through the qualifier and their crowd size got bigger. When people find you, you're 17 years old and you're in a qualifier and you start winning matches, you know what happens? The people following your games keep going and they cheer every little thing you do. You serve a ball, it hits the top of the tape, falls back on your side. They go, oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's this thing where you could do no wrong. So on the other end, and this is the point I was trying to make adults find themselves losing the kids and what happens in the middle of the game it's like i can't believe this kid's i'm old enough to be his father and i'm losing to him and when they start thinking that way 
they were, they lost because they're not thinking about volleyball. They're not thinking about volleyball. And by the way, that Partain's game, the scoring freeze saved our ass. They were 14-11, game three, and Jeff Jeff um, used the scoring freeze to come back and win. But the team that beat them, Avery Dross and, and, and Frischman, were like, no, yeah. you're, you're a man. <laughs> I'm spanking you. They beat them 2-0 because the approach they had was, I'm not falling into this kid shit. <laughs> yeah. So right now, you do have an advantage where, where it's the reason why that guy got mad at you uh, it's not like he was trying to get you to talk back and stir up the pot because that doesn't strike me as a type of guy that can sustain that emotional high. That's the, that's the kind of guy that's going to get three points on the high and give up six, five or six on the low. Big waves crash, brother. Bro, uh, small waves, you can, you can go from Hermosa to Manhattan Beach on small waves. So you, yeah. if you're talking crap uh, as a young person, just as advice, uh, and we can close the chapter on this, celebrate. But don't know, know your opponent, right? The USA, like watching DeFalco have this elongated scream against Brazil, that's stupid. That's like giving Popeye spinach, right? Italy, Russia, Brazil. Let's sleep in Tiger's lie. <laughs> you know why? Because they're fighting with each other. You don't want them to, to put their differences aside to, yeah. fuck, to, to, to F you up. So you... The advice I would give you, keep that because it, it, it galvanizes you and your partner, but small ways, bro. Yeah. Small waves. And do you get that? Or do you yeah, do, no, do, you do that? Or are you doing that? Am I just, am I, am I preaching no, to yeah, the converted yeah. right now already? The, um, am I well, in the church full of Christians right now? <laughs> yeah, it I'm preaching a saint. <laughs> Go ahead. My partner wanted to say something and I was like, I was like, if we don't say anything and he keeps going, he looks horrible. Yep. And we beat him. Oh my God, that's a double win. <laughs> it's a double win. Emotionally, like, that's perfect. a double win. So you got well, slunks and, and so go ahead. No, please finish. No, oh, gotta let you, okay. I gotta let you get a word so in. About, about the national teams where it's like common enemy, like don't let them rile up. Mm -hmm. the, the school I'm going to is like notorious for talking because they're a bunch of like fiery Puerto Ricans. Yes. And so, and so it, it gets to the point where like they'll play other schools, like schools that that are supposed to beat them and the coach is flat out saying like you don't say anything to them because as soon as you say something they start jumping higher and hitting harder mm -hmm. and they'll come back with like 10 times as much yeah because they're notorious for how they talk yeah like every it's like the one team in the ncaa you don't want to start start talking to because they're coming back harder like hawaii they're like they get fired up for yeah that. you say something across and that hawaii gets fired up long beach state yeah. you know what i'm saying you still got some cowboys there like tj defalco when yeah. he played at long beach state my guy oh. Lu Lu lewis richard the, the only african-american on that team um i coached with him at evolution and he was he's quiet as a mouse so they had that the the, the styles that complement each other <laughs> you know what i'm saying they won they won that second year um good kid man you would you, you'd love him and um so you got slunks behind you. What's up, man? D d does Chris, Chris, my man, Chris, I'm, I've been trying to get him on the, on the podcast. Chris Remus, Remus, right? Slunks is your sponsor. Who else? Um, it's them right now. It's Victory Insoles. Have you heard about the insoles that like the carbon fiber insoles? Yeah. So they sponsor me and I love them. Like people, people always ask me if they're worth it. I, I like them a lot because when you're jump setting, it's like, up and down nonstop and your feet start hurting and like yeah. your calves start hurting and it, it's just so helpful but yeah them and slugs and i love slugs yeah good for you man and you know the cool thing is you're, you're going to be one of those guys that doesn't promote sponsors that you don't use yourself and there goes my stupid ass 
iPad. Let me <laughs> unplug this. You know what I'm saying? Like slunks. Yeah. It's the sponsor, but you're wearing them. The insoles, yeah. you're going to use them, right? Like like yeah. me, if I'm using Dollar Shave, right? If that's my sponsor, guess yeah. what? <laughs> you know, I'm using them. I, I yeah. picked that up from Joe Rogan. Like as a podcaster, there's nothing wrong with having sponsors, but there's something that's organic and, and natural that you're promoting something that you not only believe in, but you, you set by example, yeah. you know? So I certainly appreciate that. 40,000 followers on TikTok. I'm looking down at this piece of paper, man. What's going on, man? It's about the kids. Um, I just feel like, like on the girls' side, there's a lot of girls, like they all have accounts and like they have their audience. And I go on, I go on TikTok and I'm watching videos and it's like, there's no junior guys. There's zero beach volleyball guys making videos. And I'm like, there needs to be like a community. And, I'll, and it started with me just like, making videos because i thought they were funny so, and then a few of them blew up and i was like i was like okay yeah like this this could be this could be something so i just kept making videos and like and like people always ask me if it's hard it's like most of the time they make they take me like a minute and a half to make yeah and, and it's just something that like popped into my head and i'm like this is really stupid but like it's funny i like it well the cool thing is that level of content creation gives you um two ways to go one you can continue to do it and continue to build your, your following or two. Yeah. It gives you a platform to do other things for for mm -hmm. volleyball or whatever mission statement into your adulthood that you decide to do, right? Like YouTube, I have 32,000 subscribers, but that's 100% from content, right? Uh, um, yeah. You know, I'm doing a partnership with, um, with Be Better Media and like her people were like, I guess they were trying to give me advice on how to do my podcast. And they're like, what's your most viewed video? And I was like, my podcast or content? They're like, whatever, just give me a number. And I said, 5.7 million. They're just like, oh, what? They said, 5.7 million. I said, 5.7 million. <laughs> you know? They said, for one, 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 one episode, I said, no, not the podcast. The podcast is 40,000. That's my most viewed. Um, I had a military, um, a contractor talking about veterans benefits and everybody in the country wanted to know like, wait, I get that. If I, if I served, I'm, I'm eligible for that. So that, you know, that, that yeah. caught traction, but, um, like you content creation i i go to i get a, a camera go to the beach start calling matches that's how i got to call matches that's when i moved here look i, I was a color commentator for for six years in new york i did the cuny championship but i moved here bought a camera and just started talking shit behind a camera and got noticed casey jennings well, yeah. carrie husband's carrie's husband was like that guy's got balls and introduced me to some people and, and it was um you know it was all gravy from there sorry go ahead no, uh, well, I, I was going to say before I, I found out about coming on this or like any of that, uh, I went back to look at your channel and I was like, oh, I've watched like a lot of these videos, mm -hmm. like especially the commentary ones. And I, I remember thinking to myself when I was watching them, I'm like, this commentary is like, he's just ripping into them. Yeah. And I loved it. And I was like, I was like, okay, I guess whenever AVP events happen, I'm going to come here and watch more because. Yeah. Well, there are people that will never come on my podcast because they take that too personally. And that's fine. And for that per kind of person, I, I don't want you anyway. Um, but then there's a, a people that are will always come on. Kristen Nuss came on three times. Like Theo Brunner is like a friend now. He's on four times, you know. Um, and they come on because all of my crit criticism is volleyball related. I attack volleyball people. I punch volleyball people with volleyball. 
They have to, you gotta be able to have thick skin. That's one. Two, and it has to make sense. If it doesn't make sense, believe me, the people will post on my thing. What are this? What are his credentials? Oh, where where is he from? Who's he think? So you know what I'm saying. So if anyone thinks I'm incorrect, I'm gonna hear it in the comment section. If I don't get a comment on it, they're not saying ignore this guy. They're like he's right, but they're too scared to post it because <laughs> they yeah. they don't want to make enemies from people that they might be a fan of who who they think or whatever. So. Um, yeah, so from there, I called all the Pepperdines home games. I called the Big West Championship in 2019, Hawaii versus Cal Poly. Um, AVP New Orleans, I called center court when Evan Corey and Logan Weber beat Rafa Rodriguez and Piotr Marciniak. Atlantic City, I was court two. Well, Cameron Earn was court one. I got court two. So I got my gigs, the mother load, uh, uh, NVL. Yeah, and my my dream, the only thing left in the bucket list, I want to do an indoor, indoor NCAA game, maybe with Rob Sparrow, and um, and I want to do an FIVB game, indoor or beach, I don't care. That's those are the two le- only things left on my bus- bucket list before I can say I did it all. So yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you picked that up. I'm glad you picked that up because me, I just I just took a chance. You move here, you know, no, I knew nobody, right? And they didn't care. I had yeah. 19, 19 years experience as a professional and, and a NCAA coach, you know? So, you know, I, I did a lot of good things in New York, uh, but you're, you're right. Like the talent, the, the, the Latino talent, um, that's going to be a challenge for you this year. You got guys who, who want, you know, you got to let a dog bark a little bit. <laughs> it's going to be a challenge this year. Well, you as a setter that you're going to have their back anyway, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, you're, you play indoor sixes, right? And if you talk crap, you have to know the other five people. What happens the next play? You say something across the net, the ref, you know, warns the both of you guys. The next play, if your team gets aced, then that's not oh. the team you got to do that with, right? Because they're gonna, they're gonna say, they're gonna say, they're gonna use that at you as an excuse. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I was off my game. But if the next play is, you know, blah blah, guess what? Then that's the team you could dog with. You, I keep using the word dog. You and never don't lose the dog. Never ever lose the dog. I'm just I'm just saying that smaller waves get um, you know, get you to victory. That's yeah. all. That's all I was trying to say. And it well, de- and again, it depends on who you play against. So mm-hmm. one of the few times I I've I've been good all indoor season. We played a team recently, and and multiple different people were like, if you start talking, you'll get in their head. And so I went to my coach. I'm like, coach, I'm not gonna say anything through the net. It's all gonna be implicative. And they're like, I right, go for it. And I don't think I've ever talked more. I, I would turn around. I would like look at the people watching or look at the bench. And and it fired my team up. Like my right start, my right side, I've never seen him play like that. Came from my the dead, came back destroyed. from the dead. <laughs> and and everyone was like, like ripping. And I'm like, is this what I have to start doing to get you guys pumped up? Like every game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Warm up my voice yeah. before every game. <laughs> yeah. So that was really fun. But yeah. instead of that, I've started, I started heckle. So I heckle a lot at outdoor tournaments, like any game. Any. So when, when I was in Hermosa, they had like a medal cer- ceremony for the junior nationals. I didn't do the medal ceremony, but I showed my medal to get in. And we got to sit like on the sand, on the courts. So good. And every, every, and it was Trevor playing Taylor. And I was like, this is what I want to heckle. And he'd come back to serve right next to us. And I would start talking about, I was like, I was like, how does it feel your partner left you? Like all this to Trevor. And I, and everyone was like, Benji, you're going to get us kicked out. I'm like, I don't, this is so much fun. Not to Trevor. 
Trevor would never get you kicked out. Trevor loves that shit. But go ahead. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. No, no, they thought they anyone thought whose last name is Crab and kick us out. But you heard though, anyone yeah. whose last name is Crab, they're cool with it. Trust me. And I was, mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, you don't understand. Like, like this is what they enjoy. Like players like this enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Like that's the fun behind it. Yeah. So I just I love heckling or like, like Pottstown final game, Pottstown games in general. I was watching a center court match. It was um, so you know they have the tr the whole thing of like last year's winners get first game on center court. Yeah, yeah. We were watching that game because it just started, and the winners went down four, and I was just like, like, are we sure these guys won last year? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, get a different game on the court. Yeah, yeah. And and my my mother hates it. She's like, she's like, Benji, shut up. Yeah. Like, I'm having fun. Good for so, yeah, you. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to like announce something. That's what I like about the pause time announcers. They just tear into you. Yeah. Well, good for you because you you realize you're in your moment. Like for me. I seem like this calm guy now and like I'm, I'm speaking up from from here like an a-hole on, you know, the little kids. I'm telling them how to be better people. But the fact of the matter is I was the worst, single worst crap talker you have ever met in your life. Because back then we were allowed to curse at people. We were allowed. I mean, you know, it took a, a lot for someone to give you a yellow card. You know, or uh, you, yeah. you really, the ref just separates you a little bit and this and that. But man, I was like, I'm like, is that all you got? Get your, If that's all you got, get your free t-shirt and get out of here, man. Because it's not going to end well for you. Or like if someone blocks, I block someone cross and then the next play, they go up, they go line and I block them line. I'm like, that's not original, guys. First you go cross and you go line. Are you going to, are you going to come up with something creative? Are you really watching <laughs> the block? Are you guessing? You know, so yeah. yeah. So, and, and that, but that. I don't know where it comes from from for you, but me, it's, it was just our Brooklyn nature. Like, you grew up playing basketball in New York. You, you're going to talk junk. You know, football, you're going to talk a little bit. You know, you, you literally have to fight every day to get respect from your peers where I grew yeah. up. Flatbush Avenue is not an easy place to grow up. Not the roughest neighborhood, but, you know, because I'm not about that life. Yeah. But, but it, you know, um, yeah, overseas, you know. Playing Samoans is really scary because all of those guys are like six feet high, five feet wide, right? So when they tell you, they're like, stay down, white boy. And I'm like, I got a decision to make before I say something <laughs> back. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So like, who you calling white boy? Shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the other thing about, yeah, about volleyball is like, it's like no one's going to fight. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be realistic. The most Thank you're going to you. get is like, is like maybe someone like giving a too firm of a handshake or pulling someone and you're never like, no. I don't think I've been playing long at all, but with how much I play, if I play in any other sport, I definitely would have seen a fight by now. hundred percent. So well, like, yeah, but it's no, just, again, know your opponent, know your opponent. Yeah. Look in the South Bay. I had a kid stare me down as a coach and I, and I, and I first thing I looked at to see where his parents were. All right, his parents think that's okay. So when the game was over, I said, bring it in, guys, to the other team. And they're just like, what is I said, bring it in. And I said, I like what you're doing. I think it's cool, whatever. But when you go to nationals, be careful. You because you might play a team from the Bronx, right? If you stare, if you stare them down, that means you're fighting. And they will fight you. You know what I'm saying? You haven't seen it yet, but again, go uh, um there's a team, Paul Mitchell, all right? Uh uh adult national team, Paul Mitchell, long, long reputa re reputational team, very, very good out here. They played a team called Bameso. 
which is supposed to be North Carolina, but it's not. It's up. It's Washington Heights, New York, and only two guys on that team speak English. They're all from Smoka or Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. I set for that team for two years. I have never been to Nationals because I didn't. I'm, I was a kid. From, I'm from New York that couldn't pay his own way. So I've set with them, and when I found out that they almost had a brawl at Nationals, and then later on, Paul Mitchell's like, "Hey, let's. Go, I'll buy. We'll buy you some drinks. Let's just, you know, let's just talk." They still were like, "No." kiss my ass you know they even after the match it, it almost started up again at the hotel so you're right for the most part they, they, they're not about that life they, they're staring like they are but it's not volleyball it's not on a general level it's not about that life but when you go to nationals please know that it's uh, some teams in florida that got you know if you do that you're fighting Please know if that team's from the South Bronx. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like legacy. You know, they seem like a bunch of nice kids, but I'm, t I, I, ooh, be careful, <laughs> you know? So let's, t I wanted to talk about the Pottstown Rumble before I get into us talking too much fun, which shit, which is really, really cool because that's the podcast, right? I want to talk about process and preparation. And what I want to ask you as far as when you go into practices, um, here's an example. John Mayer. I was at LMU, uh, um, and I picked up a lot of things from him. When we would have a passing drill, right, or we would have a setting drill or just like maybe we do something called Warrior or Neville, we would – he would assign – either assign you a focus or you college you pick your own. So if it's a passing drill, he wants you to go in with a passing focus. For example, hold, holding your platform. Uh, straight and simple. Uh, straight platform, simple pass. Uh, one move to the ball. Beach is more one move. If, if you're not a midline coach like indoor, sometimes you're a midline coach. And, and if it's a lollipop, yeah, make the two moves to do that. Got yeah. that, right? And then all the other intricacies, shoulders together, oh, athletic stance, all yeah, this yeah. bullshit coaches teach you. So for your process and preparation, do you have focus-based drills like that? When you go into a setting drill, it, do, 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 are you, do you have your own, do you self-assign a focus or do you, does your coach assign your focus? Shoulders to the pole, you know, out of system, shoulders to the so, net end system, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I, last year I had a much more active coach. He was, and, uh, both, both years, like last year and this year, I, I have great coaches. But last year I had a really active coach. And so, yeah, it would always be like, he's like, right now, he would be like, finish your set. I don't care if it goes outside the antenna. Like, that's what I want you to yeah. focus on because you're having trouble doing that. Good, good. This year, I think I've – I try to be more of a student of the game. And, like, like I don't just want to do stuff. I want to understand why I'm doing it and, like, kind of decide for myself. So I've, I've sort of, like, if I'm doing a setting drill, I'm like, who am I setting? Why am I setting this tempo? Like, do I want to put it higher if I'm setting from this close to the net or do I want to put it lower? So most of the time I'm figuring it out for myself. But uh, do you know Bill Ferguson? I do. He don't know so, me, but I, it's, it's my job to know everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He um, he coached for my club, and I talked to him about preparation, and he was like, "Before a tournament, it's like week before intense training, and you go less and less and less, and you're like dialed in on what you want to do that weekend. Like if you're like, I want to find my middles much more in transition. Like you work on that, you work on that, you work on that." day before you don't do anything and it's just like watch film prepare yourself like what version of your setting are you going to show that week and and when he told me about that i was like like that kind of flipped a switch for me because i'm like what do i need to fix this weekend like what were my shortcomings last tournament and like 
what can what can I work on? You know, there's nothing in the world like allowing yourself to make mistakes, realizing them and self-correcting. Because as far as retaining the knowledge and self-correction, I don't know the science study behind that. I, and I don't really pay attention to the science unless it's something that goes beyond a correlation study. Then I'll pay attention to it. But because at the end of the day, the real scientists are us. We're the coaches, right? We're, we're, in, we're in the lab throwing, throwing crap. You know, Dane Blanton was like, oh, so what? You just throw crap on the wall and see if it sticks? I said, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Dane. <laughs> What are you saying, NCAA champ? So, um, yeah, but there's nothing in the world. Uh, so, guys, learn from this kid. Listen to this podcast. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to, to, to do that and allow your, the coach to see, okay, I like that. Now let's try this. And, and um, just hearing this little sample that you gave me was enough for me to see that, that you're kind of on your way, and I really appreciate that. Cool. Um, what's one thing fundamentally – that you felt like you showed significant improvement all the last, let's just say the last six months. Um, you can, you, before you answer, you can explore the physical, the six fundamentals, passing, digging, blocking, serving, blah, or it can be from the neck up, the muscles between your ears. The floor is yours, it's, my man. It's a bit of both. As, as I was talking about earlier, like I used to get into ruts on serve receive and with my new coach, First 50 minutes of practice, he tosses the ball like six feet away from me in six different directions. I step to it. I put my platform out. I lift with my legs. And he like micro corrects everything. For three months, I did this for the first 50 minutes of every practice every week. And, and, and I was like, and, and I, I, obviously when I'm doing it, I'm like, this is so boring. This is so boring. And then I go to a tournament and I'm like, why did I think that was boring? Like, this is perfect serve receive. Yeah. And it was like between the working of the platform physically and like telling myself mentally, like what you need to work on is going to be boring. Yeah. So I, it was more learning. Like, like you're not always going to have fun at practice. Mm -hmm. Like practice is practice. And sometimes you'll have fun and sometimes you need to work on what you need to work on. Yep. That also involves good coaching, right? You, you have your kids yeah. pep, pepper for coach, coaches. If you're having your kids pepper for 60 seconds, right? If they're just standing straight up, they're not in the athletic stance. Like, you know, a girl just sticking out the booty to, to like, you know, sticking out the butt to like, uh, catch someone or angle, right? If they're, they're doing this, they're facing this way and they're angling the platform here and don't realize their forearms are here. The ball's still going there, but they now invited a bad habit where the ball's going straight up yeah. or behind them. Right. Cause they're not facing. Then, you support every argument for every idiot coach that doesn't believe why pepper doesn't work like coaches believe some coaches don't believe in peppering because it's the drill and this and that but it's yeah. because they fail at their job of what are you doing while you're peppering are you yeah. you like are you going into practice like i want to hold my platform more let me start the first drill is 60 seconds pepper and the first drill is the figure eight drill, you know, like serve, receive or like yeah, bowl, yeah. whether the bowling or serving. If you go into that, like you said, every practice, and this is important because I think this is what you're saying. And uh, um, the more you do it, the less you have to think about it. And now you're not out there trying to play. You're just playing. You're not out there thinking about playing. It's your impulse. It's your animal. It's now your animal instinct. And when that happens from the neck down, all those things from the neck up that have bothered you from, for maybe for years, maybe for months, maybe your whole volleyball life, disappear a little bit at a time. 
It doesn't. It's no. There's no cold turkey to it. it but it goes yeah. a little bit of the time. How am I doing so far? No, no, you're 100 percent right. And yeah. then because I ain't trying to tell another, you about yourself, you're here. No. You can tell you about yourself. And then another thing mentally that we worked on was like, if you, you know, especially when you're newer and you haven't had like years and years of experience. Mm -hmm. When you play those like easy games, you know you're gonna win. You just feel like you're playing better, and then you play like the nerve-wracking games, and you're like, "Why am I playing so bad?" Like, I was hitting, I was hitting perfect cutties earlier, and now I'm playing a hard game, and they're missing, and they're going out, and they're going into the net, and it's and he taught me so much. Like, keep your heart rate down, like, a specifically heart rate. It wasn't anything mental, but like, the lower you can keep your heart rate, the less likely you are to make mistakes. Because uh, I guarantee you, if you make a mistake that you normally don't make, your heart rate is pushing like 110 and it shouldn't be. 100%. Yeah. So what's one thing fundamentally or psychologically that you'd like to show significant improvement between now and let's say June? Um, I want to set a... I think this is very specific, but for me, it's some, it's probably the biggest issue I've had. I want to set a more consistent pinball when I'm off the net. Very good. I feel like I feel like right now I'm working hitters who are like they're not picky, but they're like if the ball is tight, they're not like very comfortable swinging. And sometimes I feel like I'm putting them too tight. I really, really, really want to get like all the way to the pin, perfect contact point. Like I want that set to happen. Because nice. I find my right side really well. I find my middle really well. And then I'm like trying to find them. And it's just like, what's going on? Yep. Hey, everybody listening at home, I have a question for you guys. And we're going to answer this. What's the most difficult set to set in indoor volleyball? Let's give them five seconds before me and you do this. Ready? Five seconds of silence because I want them to think. What's the most difficult ball to set in indoor volleyball? Five seconds. Grab a drink. I'll go first. It's the four ball. <laughs> it's the go ball. It's the four ball, guys. One ball is like chicken. You hold it for the middle. Back one, yeah. right? The red set, you already got an apple turning lemons to yeah. lemonade. They don't care if you just fling it. The four ball is almost going to this diva that's asking for a perfect <laughs> set for a mediocre swing, right? So so what were your thoughts? <laughs> What's the most no, difficult was, ball was, to set? I was about to say the same thing, and I'm like, is he going to disagree with me? Oh my, like, it's just- Do you know how many people don't don't understand the, the they're like, these two are nuts, they, they, they don't get it. <laughs> no, I'm like, people are like, you're really unique. You don't set your outsides. I'm like, I don't like setting my outsides. I don't want to set them. <laughs> I'm more likely to mess up out there. What are you, oh, oh you my God. That, you, you mean that idiot that hit the ball long and comes to you yeah. and says a little higher, please? <laughs> yes, and, I, and I'm like, they're like, wow, you just set the middle from like 12 feet off. I'm like, honestly, I got better chances with him than like yeah. our, our, our queen out there, you know? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that they're, they're, they're like the wide receivers of, of volleyball, <laughs> the freaking divas. They want this perfect set for a mediocre swing. So here, yeah. here's your way around the, um, the, the pin set. In system, coaches teach you square to the net. Yeah. Out of system, square to the pole. So what very experienced setters do, like you, because you're already an ex I already consider you an experienced setter because you're going to get a free education that says you're good. All right. So 
right? That that makes you an expert. <laughs> you're, yeah. right? you're, you're being recruited to be among the best yeah. of the best. So what experienced setters do, the habit, when they move out of the, the box, the setter's box, they tend to square their shoulders to the antenna. And what happens, the margin for error is tight. And you set something to the pin, and now you got hitters hitting the pin, trying to hit the ball back in, or you have hitters getting jammed on the block whose whose IQ is high enough to be like, I'm not giving this guy a line on a tight set. I'm just taking my right hand and, you know, throw throw it down and then smack him with the left. So, um, yeah. So tip, think about just just the the, the habit of pole, because setters in, impulsively think the pole there's too much space. It's not. Because the, the outside, if you're out of system, the outside's already is not hugging the net anymore anyway. So he's creating his string, or I, I, that's a middle thing, but I'm, I'm using it for outside. Yeah. He's creating his string more often than that anyway. And, and at your level, at your level, you're never going to have a hitter that needs a tight set to hit the ball straight down. Yeah. You're going to have a bunch of angry Puerto Ricans. They're going to they're gonna turn lemons to lemonade, my dude. Yeah. You know, ask any Puerto Rican you ever talk to, on, even on the beach, like Rafael Rodriguez, that dude would hit anything. You know, uh, Rick Amon, who's one of my guys that got me into the beach volleyball, they played with Karchi UCLA, God rest his soul, he passed away lot six months ago. He was one of those guys that can do everything, you know, so. Orlando Irizarry lives in Florida. You might have seen him in the, in the Carolinas. He's another Puerto Rican badass. Dache and Angel Dache is Cuban, but he's got a, he seems like a little PR, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he has Doesn't that fire he? to him. Yeah. Well, the other mm-hmm. so I'm like, your outside's gonna get double blocks on them. Your middle's always gonna have a blocker on him. I'm super big on like my oppo better not have a double block. Right. Like if I'm setting my right side, he's gonna have a solo, or I'm not doing my job. Guys, check out this kid's videos, man. I'm just so impressed. And I wasn't even watching the recent ones. I was watching you when you were coming up. You have like these videos that says class of 2024. So that meant you were significant. You were, you were probably 15 or 16 when you were doing these things. And yeah. just, I love that you have the, the, the one thing that setters crave their, their whole career. Deception and accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it again. Deception and accuracy how many times have you watched a game where like cool the setter fooled the block but he he did not deliver trajectory wise did not deliver a ball that his hitter can hit and he's perplexed on why his hitter's getting blocked one-on-one because on video the set looked fine but trajectory wise did it stay in the air and wait or did it go up and down fast when you take a closer look from a volleyball players and coaches perspective you my man have this fantastic combination of deception and delivering something that's deadly accurate and and, and I, mind you that's just juniors i am so looking forward to what you're going to do in college dude i am so looking forward to that and listen to me talk i'm rambling like a like a fan i'm i might you know what i think i'm gonna be a fan i'm gonna, I'm gonna take this buffalo bills <laughs> thing you know we already lost to the chiefs i'm gonna put this to the side and when you start playing for ngu i'm gonna have an ngu mug next time we do this how about that Sounds good. Let's well the level that, the, yep. no the level of juniors is like it's so high nowadays. Yeah. It's in, like the amount of the amount of freshman centers we have setting at top programs is it's it's nice to see. It's better coaching. That's like, why. Hawaii Hawaii has a freshman center. Mm-hmm. UCLA starting a freshman 
he's not a freshman anymore, actually. Right. But he, he, he was starting his freshman year. USC has a freshman center. The school I'm going to has a freshman center. Start, like, yeah. so you, many And programs. UCLA won last year with a freshman center, right? Yes. So, kid, kid from Israel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't think he was a, I don't think he was American. UCLA last year? Last year. What, what was the setter's name? I'll look it up. Andrew Rowan. Why are we doing this? It was Andrew Rowan. All right, cool. All right. Kid from, um, played for Orange County. Oh, <laughs> wow. Good for them. Orange County Volleyball Club. Man, yeah. I should know better. You know why? Because when a local player out here does well on the college scene, he's got ticker tape parades, <laughs> man. Yeah. So let's talk about the Pottstown Rumble. We had this great conversation, and when we were talking about it, we're like, maybe we should stop now and save some for the podcast. Yeah. I said, because I'm going to give you the mic because you are going to tell everybody where it is, when it is, and the weather and all that stuff because I got got to let the kid talk, right, people? Um, I, well, what I said, it is, it is the most grueling volleyball tournament in the sport. And there are dissenting opinions and this and that. Oh, this, what about this? What about Wapaka? Uh, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. But I called it the most grueling tournament in all of volleyball for reasons um, that I'd like you to lay out. Uh, um, not, not to support my argument, but I want you to draw a picture. You're yeah. talking to people so right now who have never been to this tournament. Tell them what it, um, where it is. Tell them when it is. Tell them what the weather is. Yeah. Tell them what most important thing is. Tell them what the rules are. The floor is yours, oh. my man. All right. So it's it's June in Pennsylvania, like late June. So you're playing in like 85 degrees. It's it's in it's in Pottstown, yeah. Pennsylvania. It's like but, but what does degrees. it feel like? It's, you're playing. It's, it's, it you're feels playing. like a hundred. <laughs> it feels. Oh my God! It's it's yeah. humid. You're sweating. It's like, it's big court and side out scoring. So you're playing a game to 15 for like an hour and a half. You feel like it's never going to end. It's like, it's like, it's, it's volleyball purgatory. I agree. It's volleyball purgatory. You get into a run where you're like, it's seven to eight for like an hour and a half. And you're like, oh my God, someone score a point, please. I don't even need it to be us, but just someone break the cycle. Cause you're like, is this real anymore? You gotta, you gotta, it's, you gotta it's like punch else. yourself awake. Yeah, it's something else. And it's and if you're playing the triples and the men's, you're playing three days worth in this in this heat and this humidity. Last year it was even worse, I think. It was raining. So you're playing in the mud, you're all muddy, like your feet are wet, you're cold, and then the sun comes out and you're hot all of a sudden. It's like it's something else. And I played I played the co-ed the third day mm -hmm. after playing the triples in the men's. Started my first game at 8.30. Last game ended at midnight. Oh, wow. Had to play Had to play six rounds to make it to the finals. Yeah. Like six rounds. Games to 15. Plus seven games to 11. Or it was probably, maybe it was five games. Five games to 11 in pool play. Like, uh, it's just... It's you, you, you can't make a comparison for any other tournament. You really can't because it doesn't exist. Actually, and I, I got I got some video on it too. So let's play what the court looks like. So this, let's just do that. 
So this is what the court looks like. It's a great center court. Look where the chairs are. Look at the the, the big Pottstown Rumble Hulk, Hulk guy. Look at the big eagle, right? See the eagle on the right? It makes me want to reach up to the Statue of Liberty, you know, <laughs> chill, you know, grab her by that schmuck and take a giant squeeze for America. <laughs> well, yeah, they had – that was the year they had – they had to put – um. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to do this every year. It looks like most years, at least every year I've been. You have to put a bunch of um, wood chips on the ground or else people slip too much. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so muddy and it's so used on that center court that, like, it just – it gets almost unplayable if you don't put something down. So this is last year's. This is Goldsmith and Albrecht, who won the year before. They were the the defending champs um, who you were talking about. They won the year before, and they're playing Cody Caldwell. There's our guy, two-time champ from Loyola, Chicago, who, by the way, won Atlantic City in 2022 with David Lee, <laughs> indoor player. They, they played big man ball. And there's Jake, played for Rutgers University. And, so that's um, the other thing is Nolan – so Nolan's from the conference I'm playing in. Yeah. He played for Belmont Abbey, which is like – He's one of the guys we had. There's a few more you might know. Um, 100%. But, yeah, we have – I mean, like, we've had some good guys come out, and he's he's a phenomenal hitter. Yeah. He really so, is. And he's also a cool – I mean, look, he's got a – like, we talked about him having a – a chip, a chip on his shoulder that that looks that looks like he's a cocky dude. But I remember telling you on the phone that – it comes from studying theater performance. I, I believe he was a musical theater guy, uh, or his BFA or and his MFA. So you're gonna have a little bit of, you're a straight guy that that's behaving like a like a queen, or a diva, you know, which which is awesome for the girls in college, of course, right? Because they're like, oh my God, he's in touch with his feminine side, you know, uh, right? Can I can I make you breakfast? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. So he's got that uh, that's disguised as a heightened level of arrogance. I'm not saying he isn't. He he is a little bit. But I think the way he carries himself makes it look more, more like 10 times more than what it really is. Cool guy, though. I like him. And he was coaching. He was the head coach there for a bit, for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, I remember a grass tournament local. He plays, he played, before he moved to Florida, he played a lot of local tournaments. Uh And he was playing this tall, athletic, like, he he's he's foreign like he has an accent i don't know from where but he like he started talking to him because it was like a closer game and from what i've heard nolan never talks or like or like very rarely no yeah and he just he just looks through the net and he goes he goes do i have to destroy you in another game for you to stop talking (laughs) and he just shuts him up (laughs) and i was like i was like i mean that's pretty much right like if he wants to win against most of the people in North Carolina that's for sure he's going to I will say this about him if you need him to block nobody calls him undersized if you need him to dig no one says he's too slow he's a super athlete that um that just does I guess super athletic things is exactly what you and I were talking about I mean he he made a people forget he made a finals with Mark Fornicari I think Mark Farnakari went through half a bottle of vodka that whole time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In fact, Mark's a yeah. he's a character, isn't he? Let me show you what Mark Farnakari brought me when he came into podcast. Look at this thing right here. 
I'm going to zoom in on it. This thing. He comes on the podcast. We go like two hours and 25 minutes. This thing was left at this much. Let me put my hand there. Like this much. I'm going to put my finger. We, ate, we drank that much, that, that whole tournament. And, and the reason why I met him is because he went off on a referee and I posted on social media. I'm like, dude, this dude's been drinking. And he was highly offended by the way I was saying, I was talking about him to a point where I had to admit I was right and I ended up apologizing and he said, hey, all good. And then he, you know, when he came to Hermosa Beach, you know, in studio, but, but people forget Pottstown Rumble 2021. Um, he was in the finals with Albrecht. Yeah. And they lost to Lucas and um, Andre Beloff, who, who we both know brings new meaning to the word jump serve, like outdoor jump serve. This man's got a game changing jump <coughs> serve, you know? which is something segue to what I wanted to talk about. How important is the jump serve in, in um, Pottstown Rumble? Uh, it's, bro. So I'm, I want to, I want to make second day of the pro this year. Like that's, that's my big goal for grass is like all of it's working up to making second day of the pro. Mm -hmm. All I'm doing is serving and serve receiving on a big court for the next three months. Because that's, that's how you score. Like, cause if you miss a serve, it's not a point. It's side out scoring. So if you're ripping tops, like you miss four, you find one, they were probably going to side out anyway if you were just lollipopping them. 100%. So you might as well just go for it. Here's and, now, is it let's serve rule for our fans watching? Oh, yeah. No let's serves. Can't tape. That's which right. means half the time, bro. And that gets you into some arguments because <laughs> you'll be serve receiving and you'll see a little, a little tick of the tape just go choop. Yeah. And the ref can't see it and you're like, like ref, I just watched the tape. Yeah, like it was in my platform. Why else would I have caught it? They're like, ah, I didn't see anything. So that has its own yeah. set of issues. But well, back, like, back in still... the old days, referees used to um, hold the had the whistle in their mouth, and uh, on the serve they would put their uh, their hand on the top of the of the tape of the wire. So if something hit it, they so would they feel, it. feel it. So that's something a lot of refs um, on some of the smaller venues would do because some, a lot of those refs didn't have line judges or whatever. So yeah. they're, they're trying to watch everything, but the hand was a really good uh, yeah. thing. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, it's also like the nets are not great. <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're all low. They're all sinking into the mud. There's no top tape. There's no bottom tape. If the ball hits the net, it's not rolling out. It's falling. You're right. like, you're not yeah. going to, you're not going to, your indoor to coaches teach you like sit under the tape and wait for it low. That's yeah. not going to work. I have, a you have to like pokey it right. out or something. It's we weird. have a question. All right. Me and me and Jim and Benj Benjamin or Benji here have a question for our audience. When was the last time you've seen a grass court net be eight, <laughs> eight feet on the sides and seven, 11 and five eighths in the middle? You don't need a referee won't even go out there with a chain. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go out oh. there with a chain and measure it. That's a question, well, I, a rhetorical question from us yeah. to the people Doesn't listening. <laughs> Sorry. Doesn't happen. Ah. I mean, maybe, not even center court at Pottstown. Mm -hmm. I went to play some pickup like a week and a half ago, and I was like, I was like, this net's really low. And they're like, it's the best net we have. Yeah, it's but the best net we have. But do you see why the same eight teams make the quarterfinals? Because they yeah. operate out of 80% power on their jump or 80% power on their swing because they know they don't have to jump extremely high to hit straight down in front of the defense if they have to. Yeah. And when, like you said, 
if there's anything where you see more than 80%, 90% or close to 100%, it's going to be, say it with us, it's going to be at the service line. <laughs> yeah. Mark Burek, uh, um, you know, the, he, he, I interviewed him. He was one of the people that said that. He won with Hudson Bates a couple of times. So That's one of them. That's what won them a big part of that. When Nolan was playing with Tomas, the, not, this, not this last year, the year they won. Yeah. Tomas was going back and he found like five, six aces that game. Because mm-hmm. he, he tosses high and he max jumps and it's like you're just trying to look for it and you can't. Right. Well, as you continue to play at the high level, the, the biggest conversations you're going to have in a tournament is going to be the serve. And, yeah. and these tournaments where everyone's a professionals and everyone has their stuff together, you're not going to find a lot of glaring weaknesses as far as hitting range, right? Uh, at, at, maybe in the beginning, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's not he's not pivot jumping. He's, he's got to do this, and I'm just yeah. going to stick my left hand there and clamp his ass, right? And you hit with both hands anyway, so I'm pretty, I can assume that you can block with both hands. So, um, yeah, for guys listening, watching at home, I'm like, okay, he's a lefty. And then the next play, I'm like, okay, he's not. <laughs> so good this kid's so good so yeah so every at every level at the highest level the, the most of the conversation is going to be about the serve lmu i was with john mayer you know we play we play everybody and he's one of the best he's the best he's probably one of the best two coaches in the ncaa for beach right now he gets all of his recruits stolen by usc and ucla and he still finds a way into the ncaa right and you got to beat pepperdine to win that that division right and you got to beat saint mary's who's no slouch either so um yeah, at the highest level, if you remember, we had a conversation about France winning the gold, right, against Russia. Yeah. Zero reception errors, the set five against the best-serving team in the world. That's it. That's that's how you win that set. That's how you win. <laughs> so, so Potsdown, well, huh? Guys, sorry, go ahead. Pots, no, it's it's the closest thing to indoor yeah. at a high level because if you watch indoor, and even though indoor isn't side-out scoring, mm-hmm. you, you know that if you – like if I go to any – decent NCAA team and I float serve 10 balls in a row, I could have a top level blocking and defense. They're still going to side out 80, 90% of those balls. Yeah. They have to. So you have to toss them. I think Pottstown's the same thing with 95% of the time. If I float serve any guy out there, they're not getting blocked and they're not getting dug. They're scoring that ball on a big court. Knowledge. So you have to serve hard. Knowledge beyond your years, young man. Knowledge beyond your years. And 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 you know what? For I know what people are thinking, so I have to say this to our audience. For those of you out there that talk about how topspin is the easiest serve to pass, I have I have something for you. Top ser- topspin serves are not about fast results, looking for a quick ace to catch you. Topspin yeah. res- serves are about constant pressure that where the serve gets better and stronger as the tournament goes so you're sitting there putting your hands in front of a serve that you think is easy wait for it <laughs> wait for those of you that that talk that that says the easiest thing in the world to pass nine out of ten of you that say that when it's time for you to pass it in the game are going to get aced by that serve probably more times than the people that respect it <laughs> a lot of people that say that too aren't playing the high level top spins. Yeah, they, they passing that up and down stuff. They're not passing yeah. top spin serves that come down on you like yeah. a ton of bricks. <laughs> Until you play someone who's like tossing high, contacting high, and spinning it, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's a roll shot until they start hitting 70 miles per hour. Yeah. And then you're like, oh shit. 
if I don't get my first step the second he touches that ball, I'm not reaching it. Yeah. And, you know, for the guys that are doing the Pottstown, man, if you want someone to commentate this year or join your crew, I know you guys have a set crew already, but tell guys, tell, tell everybody you know a guy. It would really be worth it for me to make the trip. Um, like, I'm going to Nationals for my girls in July, but it'd be nice to make that stop and, and call some matches for you guys. So so give me a call. Reach out. Come see me. <laughs> you know, um, go back on your history. I was there. I played double-A in um, 2002 and took fifth and then played open in 2003 and took fifth. So fifth was the best I could do. You know, I had a partner they named called Big Evil. He's a guy from Dominican Republic. The Dominicans call him Flaco for obvious reasons, but... um. We called him, he was nicknamed Big Evil. And he was a guy that loved to talk shit. He was a guy, here's a, here's a funny story, you'll love this, because you, you, you have friends like this, right? He got called because he, he deep dished the ball and the guy was like, no. Like, you know how some players, like the, ref, the players have to ref their own games, they'll be like, no, yeah. no. So he's like, yeah. no. He's like, what you mean, no? He's like, dude, that was a double. And he's like, call my hands again, I'm gonna fuck you up. That's exactly what he said. And the next play, I shoot a ball to the net, and he goes to the net and does this and this. <laughs> the ref didn't call it. It was, it was the worst. Dude, somebody called the FBI. This is some catch and release stuff, dude. Uh, uh, um, and, and the other team's like, dude, you're going to let him intimidate you? And I'm like, <laughs> I said, Eugene, that worked. But he said, call my hands again. I'm a you up. Wow. Well, he's big evil. <laughs> If, he's got, if he has the nickname Big Evil and he says that to me, I'm like, I didn't see anything. He has, he'll be in matches like when this game's over, I'm kicking your ass. <laughs> Can you appreciate the guys I had the, these crazy? Yeah. He was from the South Bronx that learned how to play volleyball. And he's also a Dominican guy. So, um, And Dominicans are notorious for, um, right? You're not going to tell Dominicans not to talk junk because that's their fuel. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and perhaps on your team, that might be their fuel. But the cool thing about you is you got their back either way. They don't yeah. have to worry about you double hitting a ball if they if they're shouting at yeah. a ref or another player. What happens yeah. the next play? They need you to bang a ball on two or they need you to do this. Right. With your left and then do this you know, on a back back one or something. Right. The outside blocker jumps at you back one. Maybe there's nobody up. And you know what? That fire is redirected to you, and that yeah. wave, no matter how that get, how high that wave gets, will never crash. It'll. I promise you. I played on a lot of different teams. That wave, that wave will not crash. And maybe you have unicorns. Do you know what a unicorn is? A unicorn is someone that starts emotionally high and stays high, and never, and, and the wave never crashes. That's that's a type of player that's rare. And you, me and you, we got to take him to the lab, right? We got to, you know, examine him like a lab rat and understand how that works. Um, yeah. Fallon Funa Moana, female player, Eric's niece or, or cousin, from beginning to end. Um, who can I come up with a men's player? Uh, Ivandro from Brazil. He can he can go fire from beginning to end as long as he's got a good partner. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Leandro? He's like 6'11", he, and, and he's got a jump okay, serve that, yeah. that, you know, he's a dark-skinned Brazilian cat. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, Brazil always has four or five good teams. I don't even know if he was in the Olympics. I think he was. But, you know, when you have t a bunch of teams like that and the country only allows two teams, man, there's going to be a yeah. lot of unhappy people, right? So, so, good. So, you're 17. You're a senior. You're committed to play indoor as a center. A few things you might want to know about me. I wrote this down. 
Well, I didn't write this down. You see, now that might, that's really neat handwriting if I actually wrote this down. So we're going to um, close up shop because we got to get you fed, right? Kid, a kid's got to eat. You're probably eating five times a day. Uh, but oh. before we go, I have something called a lightning round. Is this something you wanted to say before I went to that? You had a thought? No, go for it. All right. So let's put the one minute on the clock. And set up my horn. And there we go. All right, ready? Yeah. Okay, favorite comedian? Oh, uh, Burt Kreischer. Last good book you read? Um, one of the Percy Jackson books. Last good movie you watched? Ooh, I love Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You, you could be Peter Parker, dude. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Right. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. A beach partner that you desire to play with someday? Anybody? Phil. Gotta Phil. be. Yes. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Uh, I like basketball. Nice. Favorite action film star growing up? <sighs> I really have one. Me, me, I guess I was an Arnold guy. I'm old enough. I go back then. Or Bruce Willis. Any favorite conspiracy rabbit holes? Oh, Oh my God, I was thinking about this one recently. Um, why am I blanking so hard? I think you, I think you stumped me. That's okay. Well, Wait, for me, give me a second. I'm gonna remember this. I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, uh, and this might help a click in your head. Mine is the JFK assassination. I don't think, I don't think that guy made the shot. I'm, I'm ex-military. I'm a Gulf War vet. I'm also an expert on the M16 and the Beretta. And I'm telling you, as close as that looks, that is not an easy shot to make it a moving target, right to left, left to right. There was one I was I was having a conversation about that everyone thought I was crazy. I'm like, I actually It's not like really the moon landing theory. or something, is it? I don't know. No, no, no. No, no. no. Uh, okay. I think I think Helen Keller was real. I do not think she did all that shit. <laughs> There's no way in hell. So in other There's words, no way in, hell. in other words, you think she could see. I, You're like that chick is lying. Or they're lying to us. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you not see or hear and start talking? Oh God! What's the definition yeah. of endless love? Ray Charles and Helen Keller playing tennis. <laughs> <laughs> endless love, baby. So, all right, we're about to get out of here. But is there a particular? Is there an IG handle or someone that wants to get to get to know and follow you and find out what you've been up to? Your TikTok handle, um, you know, because you're you're a really good content creator. So. Let's get you some. Let's get you some more followers. I mean, see, what, see what you're up my, to. My Instagram and my TikTok and my YouTube are all just my name, Benji B N J I A N D E X L E R Benji and Dexler. You can find me on on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube. I, I think that's all I use. Okay. I've thought about trying other platforms, but I don't really do much. I've thought about doing YouTube videos that aren't just highlights, but. Right. I, think, I think I'm going to stick where I know how to do stuff. Yeah. And also you have a consolidated place where people can go to one place, right? Yeah. Like, like this podcast is on iTunes and Spotify because you got to do sound because yeah. people get caught in traffic. But I don't have this podcast anywhere else except YouTube and Facebook. I have an NYVRC to handle. Um, um, but YouTube right now is where it's, where it's pumping. Like I had DJ Klasnick on my last yeah. ep my last episode and everyone knew where to find it and 28,000 views. So, good for, you know, cool. <laughs> All right, so my man, Benji and Dexler, <laughs> right? 
Yes. Yeah. Benji yeah. and Dexler might love you guys, but I don't love any of you guys. All right. In fact, I can't stand any of you. In fact, I'm out of here. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhones, for all of you on your pads, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world, baby? Old school. Old school for my man Benji with the slunk sign behind him. I am Jason DeBeas. This is episode 197 of the Option Podcast. Stay with me. We're going to hit my music and we are out of here. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.